see the path to the championship. I can see it. Coca-Cola 600 belongs to Ryan Blaney. Blaney's learned how to win over the last couple of months. Blaney, Harvin, they spin behind him. It's going to be Blaney. We're going to win this thing. Ryan Blaney is going to win his way into the championship board. You have to run the perfect race to, to get it. Ryan Blaney is a NASCAR Cup Series champion. What an unbelievable year. What an unbelievable playoffs for us. This is the Team Blaney Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode 132 of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. This podcast is brought to you by Fans for Fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media back in 2014. Each weekly episode of the show offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and special guest interviews all throughout the year. This week, we break down Team 12's run in the Ambetter Health 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back. Another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast for 2024, fresh off, uh, fresh off our fifth trip to the newly reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway, and definitely some ups and downs between the series over the weekend, but I did not know when I drove into Hampton, Georgia this weekend that I was going to witness quite possibly one of the, you know, an instant classic, one of the best NASCAR cup series races of all time. Um, Did not see that coming and glad I was here for it. Yeah. Your, your household is especially ecstatic today um, as we record this on Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Um, Yeah. We could subtitle this Monday morning quarterback, I guess, because we'll go back through this and probably say, Oh, if this, and if that, and if that, but, but uh, the reality is, it's a very popular winner, and uh, I'm sure your wife is uh, totally stoked over that. Yeah, she was just a little, uh, just a little bit excited. Uh, even though, um, you know, the crowd. I mean, it's funny. Jeff Gluck had put up a post about watching videos from the crowd and noticing that, you know, there wasn't like loud cheers like right as as the finish happened. And I mentioned, I was like, you know, we, we were at the Daytona 500 and obviously this, this Atlanta race. And in both instances, when the drivers crossed the finish line, nobody knew who had won. So it's like you didn't know whether you should cheer, whether you should groan or you should boo or whatever. I just described it as being like stunned. And then everyone's looking at the pylon, like waiting for that to update. And then once it finally did and the, you know, the PA announcer announces who the winner was. Um, honestly, I was actually surprised by the pop from the the crowd for the winner. I didn't think uh, old Daniel Suarez was going to be that popular of a win, but sometimes I think people like an underdog story, a driver that um, seemingly was on the hot seat at Trackhouse Racing. Um, so exciting for that. Um, my wife managed to go a little bit viral on Twitter <laughs> in the post race with a photo well, that I took. That's so the, um, yeah, that's the amazing so. thing to me is you took that picture. And then she posted it. I mean, you may have posted it, but she posted it herself. And yep. that, that shows you how big a fan she really is, how emotional and happy she really was. Because like, you know, I take a picture, if I were to take a picture of my wife like that, she'd be like, I don't, don't be showing that to anybody, you know, like. I, it, yeah, I admittedly, really, really... Um, that was her first reaction, honestly, because I posted it on my own, you know, social media. And she's like, oh, no, I look terrible. Why would you, you know, post something like that? But then I think she kind of realized, you know, what kind of a moment it was capturing and uh, went ahead and shared that with all her mm-hmm. other fellow amigos out there. And it it took off pretty well and got noticed by the race team yeah. and comments from Justin Marks and lots of other people. So it's, it's been an exciting, you know, 
24 hours for us here in this household. Um, you know, but that's uh, we're not all here to talk about, you know, a different race team. Uh, Ryan Blaney played a huge part in this race, in this dramatic finish. And um, I was all I could think about was how, you know, here's another Blaney involved in, you know, an iconic finish in NASCAR. We'll always have the Darlington race where you could see Dave's car peeking around in the back there. Um, and actually for Ryan, this is really his second, I would say his second involvement in an iconic finish. If you go back to a race that you were at in the, the first edition of the Roval too. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. he's always seemed to be involved in these things. Yeah. How about that? But the Darlington finish was, you know, uh, Craven winning. Right. And then you've got Bush finishing second and Blaney <laughs> finishing third. And then uh, this weekend we had uh, Suarez winning, but then we had Blaney finishing second and another Bush finishing, <laughs> yeah. finishing, finishing third. So, yeah. Bush and Blaney has a lot to do with uh, some of the, the closest races, but uh, the uh, the Roval, yeah, the Roval thing was just one of those things that just happened near the finish line on the last lap. Not quite the same as everybody coming to the line like that. Sure. Um, you know, and what was great was uh, Ryan's reaction post race because he was like very much like, and my wife said it right away too, very much like well, we've won some this way. So sooner or later, you might lose one this way, you know, and you can't think of it as a loss because you were right there at the line. You were yep. doing everything you could. Um, you know, I don't know what else you could have done except, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that, like I said, the Monday morning quarterbacks are all looking at it going, oh, yeah, this and that. But the, really the only thing left to do was to turn your wheel way to the right and slam everybody in the wall and hope that you didn't get as much damage as they did, you know. So to actually honestly run to the line with them like that and then do everything you can to break the side draft in the, in the last hundred, 200 yards. And I mean, they did everything else they could. Uh, and some, at one point Boyer on TV was like, oh, I think Blaney won. And then, uh, but I heard, I mean, right away, I, once again, I got the scanner and those guys are locked into, um, to, uh, the timing and scoring of NASCAR. Yep. So right away, Tim said 99, 99. So, Tim was like, yeah, 99. And you know, right away there was the talk of, you know, you know, just it was a great finish, but it wasn't, you know. But then, the, like I said, the post-race stuff was great because I've always said this about Ryan post-race uh, interviews and stuff. See how he, he reacts, you know, kind of follow his lead. And, he, you know, the racing was extremely exciting. They, them guys did a great job racing like that. And then he's standing there on pit road with his back to the stands facing the pit road there's a gaggle of reporters but trying to ask questions and he looks up over them because i haven't seen it yet yep. you know and then he sees it and then he says what he says and i thought that was the most genuine reaction to it he looked like a race could, fan like yeah a... oh wow you know expletive that was awesome you know and to hear the guy in the you know in the middle of all that saying that that that's really kind of cool and that was that's so funny that you bring up Darlington because that was the same impression I got from Kurt Bush that day um, when he, you know, he lost and they were bang, beating and banging each other last, last bunch of laps. And one guy would take the lead crossover, get the other lead would get back, you know, and they came to the line like that and he lost. And I thought, Oh, for sure. He's going to get out of the car and they're going to be a fight, you know, but his re- first reaction was the same thing. Wow. What great racing. That was exciting. You know, so to see that kind of reaction 
um, kind of reminded me of that. And it gave me that deja vu of that. And it was really kind of nice um, that uh, he was more realistic about it and wasn't like upset or, you know, sour about it, you know, like other guys. Yeah. And um, funny, you mentioned Boyer calling it for Blaney, the PRN, Doug Rice. Uh, I've been listening to that on our, our headsets at the track too, called it for Blaney as well. And then he, you know, kind of stuttered a little bit and he said, well, you, that's what it looked like to me. And he's like, then he's like, let's go to timing and scoring. And they're like, it says it's Suarez. <laughs> so, um, cause I, you know, I'm initially was, you know, fist pumping after, you know, he called it for Ryan, but then when they switched to Suarez, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a different shift of emotion, but um, crowd reaction was great. Um, I felt like everybody there enjoyed the race and it was really cool listening. You know, we drove, you know, the five and a half hours home. So we're listening to all the post-race coverage on XM, listening to the teardown, you know, this morning, been listening to some other things. And um, this was a perfect time. I felt like, you know, NASCAR didn't get as big of a bump as they could have from the Daytona 500 because of the weather. But I feel like if that Netflix audience that's been watching the show was still engaged in this, you know, this week, when they saw an amazing race and they once again saw drivers that were in, in that show, like taking center stage between uh, Ryan and William Byron and Denny Hamlin, like all these, these folks that were in the, on the TV show are out there running up front and competing for wins. So um, hopefully they uh, they'll keep watching throughout the rest of the season and hopefully things stay exciting. And um, I know we've talked a ton about the finish, but I guess there's a few things that happened uh, leading up to the actual race itself that we might want to recap just a little bit, yeah. go through our race recaps. We'll talk about lots of other things, fantasy racing and uh, what's happening next week. Yeah. You know, it, it starts out, they really weren't going to have any practice. They were going straight to qualifying, but it actually starts out before you even get to qualifying with uh, some tech issues, you know, the, the 41 car and the 10 car had their roof fins taken from them. And um, I mean, week two, and we're already trying to push the envelope to the point yep. where, you know, we get caught with something. And what was something that was funny I heard was said is that maybe the other two cars from, from the Haas had not gone through tech yet. And they hurried up and took them off before they got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe all four of them had it. I don't know, but I'm sure we're going to hear some penalties this week on that. Um they tried something and it, it obviously didn't work. And then we're going to get into Saturday and then Sunday, some things were tried there too. Um, for qualifying Saturday, Ryan went out uh, 12th uh, and it set up with the matrix there and um, ran a 31, 31. And, uh, you know, it was P four at the time. So I was pretty good and it stuck. Um, you know, Ryan gives a, a note on that. It drove really good. And um, the, he ended up in the top 10, the 34, 22, 38, 2, 14, 8, 12, 3, then 17 and 5 were our top 10 to go for the poll. Um, so the big thing at this point was to make some sort of gain, hopefully. And, um, you know, the Penske cars all did a pretty good job, all made some gains. Uh, the 34 uh, the thirty four ends up with the poll, but the 22 is P2, the 2 was P4, and Ryan ended up P7. So um, they had all the Penske cars up in the top 10. Uh, to start the race uh, really, really good here. Um, oh, that, that was in the in the first round. I'm sorry. So, yeah, uh, Ryan ends up going out fourth in the uh, second round here for the top 10, and the 34 once gets, gets pulled, but Ryan is uh, P6 uh, to start the race. So uh, pretty good uh, starting position, you know, from a team that doesn't always qualify top 10. 
Um, usually he would race through it, you know, but um, I'm interested to see what happens this week when they go to Las Vegas, because with the front row car specifically, there's a lot of news in Daytona when they made, I think we kind of knew before Daytona, but they made the official announcement. They are a tier one Ford program now aligned with team Penske. And then they, here we go back to back races where front row motorsports is starting on the front row this time with the pole. And you saw, you know, Todd Gilliland throughout this race too, was a factor and not just, you know, because of, you know, tons of cars crashing or stuff and making their way up there. So I really actually want to see when we do this recap next week, where they stand that a true mile and a half to see if this tier one program thing, this Alliance has really brought front row into being an elite team. But um, lots of people are pretty happy to see them, you know, have some success early on in the season. Yeah. Um, we get to Sunday and I uh, got stages of 60, then 160 to 260, nine sets of tires, a fuel run of like 70 to 75 laps, uh, pit stall uh, 26 with open in front of them and the 99 behind them. And then we get this Logano penalty situation. Now, first off, on Saturday's qualifying, Joey had the TV in car camera, which means he's got three or four cameras in the car not just the NASCAR camera out the front dash. And I'm watching his one of his qualifying laps, and he's reaching for the window net. Now, this is really weird to me because a lot of times these guys will take the left hand, they'll move it all the way up to near the A post, and they'll stretch out that way, and that's where they'll try to block that air, up near the front uh, of where the air comes into the car because that might help a little bit, make air go over the car a little bit better. But for some reason, two or three times he's reached over during the lap toward the uh the net and i don't know if he's trying to grab the net or something's wrong with the net I, it kind of like looked weird to me and this is where it becomes in plain view that he has a webbed glove of some sort yeah. and it's it's actual gloves that he wears it's the brand yep. that they wear that that they bought you know from their new supplier that was an omp um and but for some reason, that left glove looks like a mitt because it's all webbed. And, I, 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 and um, there were two or three different things said right away in social media um, news, like Bob mm-hmm. Pockress. One of them was, well, he's got to go to the tail end. And then somebody said, well, he's got to go to the tail end, and he's got to do a pass-through. So then finally, it was, it was said that, yeah, he has to do both of those things. Um, who knows what kind of fine is coming. Yeah. Um, I hate to say this. Because I don't know if it's one guy or there were a number of guys that were trying this. Um, I'm sure that somebody figured out that it might be worth a tenth of a second, a hundredth of a second. Who knows? But when you're, you know, when you're talking about one or two places, you know, uh, Denny Hamlin said, oh, it's nothing. It's no big deal. He said on his podcast uh, that, uh, you know, it's no, nothing yeah. more than like nothing more than putting another piece of tape underneath the wrap on the front of his <laughs> car. Right. <laughs> so, OK, you say so. But, you know, sometimes it's a mindset, too, that if it th- you think you're going faster, you maybe you can squeeze something more out of it. But um, they 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 did whatever they did. And like I said, I really hope that it wasn't across the board. I'm really hoping that other members of the team or other board <laughs> whatever hopefully they're not everybody throwing away their gloves or if they are uh maybe uh, they should auction them off or something because they're not going to be allowed to wear them anymore that's for sure 
Um, what's that interesting be, about that would be a great idea. Put yeah. the Joey, put him up there for the Joey Logano Foundation. That would be that would funny. But it was just so fun. Like when, because like we we were even talking about it at first because the original news was just that you know these in race penalties were going to happen, and then I mentioned to you like. No, they're saying the glove was modified. <laughs> and I'm like, we're trying to figure this out. But Fox, when they did the broadcast, they showed the in-car video and kind of explained it about the webbing. And I'm like, well, you know, we're in this era with the next-gen car where everybody has the same parts and pieces. You don't have these engineers that are spending all week trying to find a way to modify a part or, or build, fabricate a part to be faster than somebody else's part. So they kind of think outside the box and man, this, uh, that fits that definition to a T um, somebody had, you know, I could just it's picture an engineer in, in an office, you know, at Penske or something, or maybe this was Joey's idea. I don't know. I don't want to put it on anybody specific, but you know, just, you know, a light bulb goes off and they're like the gloves. What about the gloves? <laughs> Like, what can we do with yeah. that? So more power to them. I mean, they might pay a fine here. You know, it's not that it won't end up being that big of a deal. These roof rail things and whatever is going to happen, happen with Stuart Haas might turn into a, a pretty hefty fine. We'll have to see there. But the glove ends up stealing the the headlines. For yeah, the- we'll have to see if there's some sort of point thing, too, though. That's the thing is, yeah, there's a monetary thing and they, you know, end up donating to whatever that is. But is there a point penalty of some sort? Because a lot of times that's the only way they can hurt these guys, hurt these teams, and get their attention at the same time. When you say, I'm going to take away 50 points, now all of a sudden you've lost a race basically in your, in your standings for the year. So that's the kind of thing I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with. And, and we're recording this Monday afternoon, so who knows if it's Tuesday or Wednesday or even Monday night. We, you know, There might be something on it. So um, what I thought was horrible, and I don't understand why they didn't do this, um, the – 34 car has lane choice to start the race. So what will happen is he'll pick whichever lane and then Joey drops back from his lane and everybody moves up one spot in that lane. Really, really hoping that um, the 34 would have stayed low and been in front of his team car. And then Joey went in the high lane, moved back, and then Ryan would have moved up from sixth to, to fourth. But that did not happen. The 34 decided I'm going to take the high lane. So Joey drops out from the low lane. Um, and what's great for Joey is in within the first lap, this whole melee happens. Um, and he's coming down pit road, I think, as it's happening. So he doesn't even lose a lap, I don't think. He does his pass through and the melee happens. And the melee, uh, I don't know what how TV showed this. I saw it a couple different replays and the 38 car caused this. The 38 car was trying to create a yep. hole for the 34 car so he could get over to be in the high lane, which, you know, and cause he messed up something and he ended up in the low lane and got passed. So all in the first lap. So he's trying to create this, this gap for him. And as he's doing that, everybody stacks up behind him. Luckily, Ryan was early on in that stack because I think yes. he was right. I think he was right behind the thirty-eight. He hit the yes, thirty-eight he was. pretty. Yep. He hit the thirty-eight pretty good, but um, the cars behind him hit. You know, almost hit Ryan too hard. One of them checked up enough where they didn't hit Ryan, but they got just pummeled. And then it was like uh, what I got here: seventy-seven to three, the ten, the forty-eight, forty-five, nine. 20, 21, 31, 41, 43, 51, 54, 99 all involved in one one shape or form some more damage than than others um but you know 
poor Harrison Burton. It's funny, right before you know they they hopped in their cars, you know how they do the the interviews on pit road just for the the fans at the track, and they're interviewing Harrison Burton. He's like, oh, I only made it a few laps at Daytona, so we're hoping to have a better shot today. And then immediately going in, but you know, between turns one and two, you just see the twenty one car spinning down the track, and I was like, oh yeah. man. And yeah. then Josh Williams, who's you know making his first starts with colleague racing uh, driver, Josh Williams in between his two Xfinity starts and his two starts in the cup series between the clash. And then this week, like just has been caught up in messes like all the way. So he hasn't even had a chance to shine in that new equipment too. So man, and I thought this was going to set the tone in a negative way for this race. And uh, luckily they recovered pretty brilliantly the rest of the way. And really there weren't too many guys that got, really heavy damage in this crash crash outside the 48 car i believe yeah so and i mean even the eventual race winner you know was patched up for multiple pit stops in this sequence and uh, goes on to win the race so i feel like you know it's great to see them these cars are being a lot more durable and in these crashes in this race we see guys break and bend toe links and it just was a matter of time i feel like blaney's crew you know in that first year we're one of the fastest to learn how to repair these things. And it Mm -hmm. seems like a lot of the other road crews have caught up because it doesn't seem like, unless it's a rear tow link, it doesn't seem like that's a death sentence anymore as it was that first season with the next gen car. Yeah. They can get it. They can get it done um, underneath the damaged vehicle policy pretty well. Um, So Ryan ends up seventh through all this. And then they're kind of navigating through the debris field, making sure they don't hit nothing, have to pit. Uh, They don't have to pit because of that. Uh, we get to the choose here, the eight taking the high lane and Ryan taking the high lane. And, uh, you know, the two is behind Ryan. And then we get the, we get the racing that, that, you know, from here on in, we get the racing and, um, you know, I'm watching in car camera. So I'm watching what happens in front of Ryan, but then the TV also shows a lot of lead lead lap, uh, uh swaps for the lead. Um, you know, eight and the five are swapping the lead. Uh, the eight's trying to cover both lanes by lap 15. Um, we passed the 38 and get to sixth. There were times Ryan looked like he was just stuck behind somebody. And once he'd get from the lower lane to the higher lane or higher lane to the lower lane, he'd go right around whoever that is. Um, you know, lap 16, he's up to P5 in that lane. Um, passing the 17, a lap or two later, up to fourth. Um, goes low around the 34 on lap 18, gets to third. You know, he just, he, he had the car. Um, you know, we're, you know, I know we're, we're biased, but he had yeah, the car for, sure. for maneuvering both lanes and giving a push. And this is something that uh, giving a push and receiving a push are, are just as important. And one of the things that some of the cars could do and one that Ryan's definitely can do was uh, maintain behind somebody at a close proximity through the turns. Um, some guys were having to lift a little bit more. He wasn't, he didn't get tight. He didn't get loose to the point where he lost somebody in front of him. So if you could stay close enough to the guy and get the run coming off of the turn up into the him, you could really punt him. <laughs> and I mean, they really hit each other hard. They really punt him uh, going down one of the straightaways and, and make that move or that guy makes the move and you follow him. And, um, you know, this kind of like helps him with swapping the lead. He goes up by lap 21. Uh, he's going low. He's up to third and racing the eight in the high lane. The five is leading. So the five's trying to cover both lanes. Ryan's on one side, the eight's on the other side. Um, at lap 23, he clears the eight. He gets to P2, and then he clears the five. He gets to first place. It's like... Big slide you know, job, too. Yeah, and it was yeah, close, just, and, and just, they they trade this back and forth. And mm-hmm. the, you mentioned, you know, this racing 
was like this and it did not stop. So if you were a fan that was disappointed at what happened at the Daytona 500 with the fuel saving racing, if, especially if you were there or watched the Xfinity series race the day before on Saturday, um, where the racing itself was kind of lackluster. Um, I don't know how better it can get when it, when it comes to this style of racing on this kind of hybrid super speedway, the cars are a little bit further apart. There's space to make moves. There's space to slide, you know, guys for the lead or even in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like this, this has to settle down at some point. And I can think of maybe one time where it seemed like they were, it, it was leading up to a pit stop late in the race where they calmed down a little bit, mm-hmm. but this was like, they were on fire, like the whole race. It just never stopped. And the tension was so high and, it's really hard to describe, you know, what it was like. And I'm sure it was like that for people watching at home too, but definitely in the stands, like it was just so intense, so exciting and um, just great to see it. They were, you know, Ryan used the term taking your medicine at one point, because what was happening is you'd get a run, you'd push to the lead and then you'd lose momentum. Somebody else, if they timed their run perfectly, they'd come right up around you. And it was extremely hard, but, and, and, and as this race progresses and Ryan, uh, Ryan and Tim work on this all race. Um, the, the blocking of both lanes or all three lanes at certain points, um, extremely hard to do because you can't get too far out. But then again, if you're too close to somebody and then the move happens in the other lane, they're gone. So um, there's a happy medium in there. And early on in the race, it's back and forth, back and forth till some of these people learn how to do it. Um, you know, lap 24, the five gets by lap 25, uh, Ryan gets past him again, and then we get a yellow uh, for something that happens behind everybody. The 17 was spun by himself. Um, a lot of these cautions, luckily, like you said, a lot, there was a big one at the beginning, but a lot of these cautions afterward ended up being only two, maybe three car type things. Um, I don't know how. They all looked like they had the potential to be big ones, but yeah, they were mainly one or two car incidents, and yeah. that was that was nice. I think if the race definitely would have been marred by crashes if if that would have happened, but luckily... Luckily, it just actually gave you a pause to take a mm-hmm. breath. And I'm sure yeah, the drivers, yeah. honestly, and the spotters, you know, appreciated that. So, yeah, the uh, intensity was, was incredible. Um, the front, uh, Ryan asked for the front end to be a little bit better, more turn, but he didn't want to be too free. Um, Jonathan's just said, we're staying out at this point. Uh, we're choosing the high lane with the eight pushing, restart lap 30. Um, you know, Ryan gets, you know, eight pushes him to the lead, five is leading the low lane. At lap 34 here, the eight gets pushed to the lead, and uh, he's covering both lanes. So Ryan's in P2 at this point, one of those lanes. Uh, and lap 37, the five car is a little bit loose behind him. So they're kind of like, because of this, this is why somebody's not getting to your back bumper to help push you. And um, there's points and times where Ryan tries to drag back to help that. But, you know, uh, you can't wait for somebody sometimes, too. Uh, the 34 is down below Ryan, the eight's leading. So it kind of fluctuates between second and third here. And then um, lap 41, the one pushed the 34 in the low lane and Ryan is pushing the eight and the eight clears the 34. And then Ryan um, pushes the 34 to the lead like a lap later. I mean, it's just back and forth. Um, Ryan in uh, lap 45 is in the high lane here and the 34 and the five both pass him. Um, but then a lap later, Ryan passes the five. So, you know, at lap 50, he's behind the 34, second place still. The nine, the eight, the five are all right behind. And, you know, how they're pushing, you know, 
At lap 51, he does pass the 34 to get the first. At lap 52, the 34 passes him back, takes the lead back. And then we get a yellow um, for the 11 spinning out. And uh, we're not sure if the 8 helped him or not there. Um, and Jonathan says we're staying out. We're working, driving, going for points here, stage points. And um, Ryan does say this on the radio. Tim, he says, this is really cool racing. Um, so he, he's really enjoying the back and forth. And then, like I said, at this point, I think he makes a comment to the extent of uh, taking your medicine. Like sometimes you, you do get the run, but then it stalls out and, and you kind of have to get out and make sure you're out of the way when that next run comes and it doesn't run you over, you know, let's, let's talk about that just real briefly. The Ryan talking about how much he enjoyed the racing, you know, the athletic and Jordan Bianchi came out last week with a, a story that was, you know, went to a bunch of anonymous drivers and team owners and, and uh, you know, uh, crew members and stuff and did a poll on a variety of topics and one of the questions was like, what's the, you know, the race that you're like least looking forward to go to this year? And like overwhelmingly Atlanta was that race in interviews, even at the track, you know, leading into the race this weekend, you know, drivers were saying, you know, they don't really like this style of racing. They already have it enough at Talladega, Daytona. Please don't do this to, to other tracks, other mile and a half tracks out there that might be suffering, you know, attendance figures or something like that. You know, we don't want to be doing this every week. Um, we heard this for four races on this new configuration. And then we get, you know, through the first stage of the fifth race at Atlanta in this new setup. And it seems like, you know, from guy to guy, you know, even have at one point, you know, Kyle Larson wrecks out of this race later. And he says, that's the most fun I've ever had in a drafting race in my career. Like what, like, what do you think is the factor that changed here that changed their minds? Was it that they were just bored last week at Daytona saving fuel all the time? So they were maybe just happy to go racing. Like what, what happened? There were two or three things that, you know, the things that I see and then things I've heard also. Um, one is, the track itself it's not a two and a half mile track it's a mile and a half so when you get to the turn you can't be flat out the whole time through the turn um the handling becomes more important the track itself is is aged to a point where um these guys you know are slipping and sliding a little bit too you know you said at one point that you texted me that you kind of got sandblasted you know in the stands that so there was some wear on the track already it's aged a little bit already it's given a little more leeway uh, to uh, to make those kind of moves, and what it what it did is it made these guys have to actually drive the cars more. And then the other thing about the track being so small is also you're not running in a pack wide open, three and four wide cut in the air the same way. Um, you're kind of in tighter confines. You might get three wide, you might not, um, but you're not into the turns as long as you're in the turns at the two and a half mile track. So they're not stuck to the ground as much as they are downforce wise um, at the, at the two and a half mile super speedway. So this kind of gave a little bit more rough air on guys. So they had to work a little bit harder, work the wheel a little bit more. Um, and it did, it caused a lot more gap uh, to the guy in front of you and behind you so that you could make a move to a lane back down to a lane up in front of somebody Um the only biggest thing, like I said later on, is judging runs, where they're coming from, and who's pushing, um, who's a better pusher, who who could get to the guy better. And and like I said, that just takes time of learning who who's the better cars on the day. Um, for this restart, they only have one lap before the end of the stage. 
and the 34 is leading Ryan's P2. So the 34 takes the bottom with the one pushing him, Ryan in the top with the five pushing him. Um, but the 34 ends up winning the stage, uh, but Ryan P2. So great stage points uh, to start the start the race itself. <clears throat> um, pinning with four tires and fuel here. And uh, Jonathan tells him slight pause for fuel. And, uh, you know, anytime I hear that, I just don't even look up the, the, the pit time because it's going to be based on how much fuel they need to pack it for the next stage. Um, and he was, he was running up front that whole time too. So you're going to burn more, more fuel than the rest of the field. So yeah, I expected them to lose a, a couple of spots on this sequence for sure. Yeah. And they only, only had like one or two cars pass them on the road. Uh, the two car got by him. Um, I think the five, the one were the one, the ones, some of the ones in front of him here, but um, because of some of the other cars and staying out and so forth too, uh, they come out P20 with 32 cars in the lead lap. And then Jonathan even says something about coming back in and topping off even maybe just to kind of like, you know, uh, but they end up staying there and P19 for the, for the restart. Uh, the choose code 38 takes the bottom. Ryan is on the bottom. Start this restart lap 69. And um, he gets to the high lane within the first lap. Once again, this, this sequence of watching the uh, in-car camera is awesome because you can kind of see when he gets stuck. And then you can hear Tim trying to find him a hole to get away from that guy, get around that guy. Get If you get to, you're stuck behind somebody, you can get to the other lane, get to the other lane. The other lane seems to move, and then you're around him. Um, so by lap 72 is up to 17th. Lap 73 is when the 71 gets into the fence, but Ryan's up to 14th as that happens. At lap 76, up to 11th in that low lane. And lap 78, now he's up to 10th, and he's pushing the two car, which is excellent. Uh, they actually work really well together all day. Um, lap 82 here, we've got the 22, the 2, the 21, the 12, all in the top eight. All just having a good run. Uh, lap 87 here, the four pushes high. Uh, and Brian is uh, in that high lane. He's running between fifth and sixth. At lap 93, we're, the two is pushing Ryan. Ryan's pushing the 21. We're in the high lane. We're P5, all running together. At lap uh, 95, got a little bit loose here, and um, I, I kind of didn't hear exactly what it was, but something happened between him and Harrison, and it kind of like caught caught Ryan off guard, and he got a little bit loose, and he didn't lose a lot of ground, which was the great part of this. He didn't like lose it in front of everybody. Um, he got back to being pushed by somebody. He got back to about 10th, um, and he was pushing the 11 car at that point and with the one down below him. And lap 100, he goes in the middle past the 11, and two lanes, uh, two laps later, low lane P7 is now pushed the 34 car, um, and then lap 105, he's P5 behind the 38 and the 34. Those two cars were moving ahead, so he was moving with them. Um, then at lap 106, I have written down here three wide crazy. <laughs> it just, it just, it was just nuts. They were three wide, you know, trying to get in and out of these guys. And I mentioned um, to you like the the 11 car and the five which you, you see this with the five a lot at other tracks were the first two that were really kind of flirting with going up to that third lane. And that got me a little bit excited. I'm like, maybe, you know, when you're talking about the track aging, you know, nobody else is really running up there in any other series. Like maybe that's where there is some extra grip. And the 11 was making some passes on the outside. And I don't know if it they were being successful because the other guys were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just going to let you go because you're, you're kind of being insane here. 
Um, but then there, you, I think this part that you're bringing up right here, that wasn't just one car doing it. That was happening in multiple parts of the pack. And I'm like, I did not think we would actually see this at this track. I thought when they made that third lane, it was just a suggestion. Um, but now it seems like going forward, at least in this, that the state that the, the asphalt is in that it, you could do it mm-hmm. and it might just get, it's really it's super tight though, man, super, super tight. And it just added to that tension that was already in the air. Yeah. You know, they, um, lap 108 he's up to p4 he gets around a couple of these three wide crazies uh, lap 110 uh, goes high he's pushing the the 38 car and the five at lap 111 up to p3 at lap 113 he passes the 38 is somewhere between second and third kind of fluctuates lap 115 he passes the 17 and the one gets to p2 at lap 118 uh, the one car is pushing him and the 22 is leading and ryan's p2 and they're talking about pitting soon at lap 120, uh, he's Jonathan tells him uh, we're 10 from pitting and we're on the same program as the car in front of you, which is the 22. So kind of gives him something to look for and just kind of like they're going to do the same thing. Ryan tells uh, Tim to let Joey know that I'm not trying to pass him. I'm just trying to protect. Uh, very interesting. Like The communication is really, really good here when with the teammates where not really worried about winning the stage right now. We're still worried about pitting, but also tell Joey, I'm not trying to do anything crazy to him. I'm just trying to protect him from any pushes that are coming from behind. Um, we get to lap 125 and the six does pass Ryan. gets, to, but Ryan's P three. And then, um, Tim says, we got to get to the bottom. We got to work to the bottom at this point because they're worried about pitting at lap 127. They do pit, uh, on the next lap fuel only, Three and a half seconds of fuel does it right behind the 22 car at lap 130. Jonathan says, all good on fuel. Do what you need to do. So they got back out on the track during this sequence. No problem for them. And for them. Then, yeah, for them. That's why I said it. That's exactly <laughs> why I said it that way. At lap 136, we get the 24 and the 34 uh, wrecking coming into that pit road on the backstretch. And it's the 34 that actually has the problem and then he hits the 24 and um you know no caution this was really you know, confusing we're seeing it on the screens i'm like how is there no there's and two guys hit the wall not yeah. like massively but i was just like this was kind of shocking to me and i, I feel like now you might be maybe you're going to bring this up it's like sometimes nascar during these pit sequences kind of holds the flag because they they want to they don't want to have this impact everybody's strategy right right um you know at that point, there might have been six cars on the lead lap, and then you would have had a bunch of cars maybe who would have been eligible for a wave around, maybe not. You had them at the tail end of the longest line between other cars that are, uh, you know, that are uh, two laps down. It would have been a melee, and I, the fact that they held on to it was really interesting. Um, actions detrimental today with Denny. He he talked about it, and I, I was surprised because you know he'd be a you know an owner and. But he, he thought the same thing. He says, for the show itself, for the for the race and the show, it was probably best to hold on as long as they could, as long as everybody could drive away from it. It wasn't up on the track. Um, it may have impeded somebody else from pitting uh, for a second or two, but they did pretty much sort themselves out pretty quickly and get the heck out of the way. Um, so by lap 140, actually, only a couple laps later, the whole cycle was complete. And the 2, the 22, and the 12 were all up there. One, two, three. They've done such a good job coming to pit road. 
and uh, working together while everybody else was pitting. Um, and then we had like the four, the eight, the 47, the 78, the one, the 23 all had pit penalties for speeding. Uh, 43 had an uncontrolled tire. So there were a lot of guys that end up losing a lap at this point. Uh, lap 150, um, the other groups are starting to gain on them, getting it back together. Lap 154, the 38s going low, trying to compete with them. And at lap 156, the 22 passes the two, and then, you know, the two passes and back. And then lap 157, Ryan actually passes the 22 up to second. 159, we get a caution. Uh, the two wins the stage, and Ryan finishes third um, with the 22 wrecking. And the 17 and the 11 get in the middle of this too. Um, not really sure what happened with this one, uh, but once again, it was only one or two cars, two or three cars involved, not 16 of them. So, yeah, I do. I don't remember it exactly either, but I do remember saying to myself that Joey, Joey had done that to himself. I think he just wasn't clear, and he tried to make a move between lanes and you know spun himself out and nosed it into the wall. So, um, but yeah, I mentioned you know the durability of the car. You know, Joey came back to pit road on a hook which you know to a vast amount of applause <laughs> as he passed in front of the grandstand and then just you know a few laps later seemed like they used every single minute they could of the dvp and he came out and ran i think the rest of the race just in, yeah. in the back but i mean those are those are important things because those are points you might need later on in the season you just don't know now so but somehow man that that penske road crew got that car fixed yeah uh, Brian's uh, talking about a touch more turn. Jonathan says probably you know will end the race the same way with a fuel only stop. Uh, so he wants to know does that affect the turn with the lighter fuel load in there? So that was kind of interesting, a little back and forth. Like you know, I'm if I make an adjustment, be weary that the adjustment I make is going to also affect when we only take fuel later on and not have as much weight in the car. Uh, we only have two, 22 cars on the lead lap this time. We're pitting from third. Um, but we're waiting on fuel here once again, you know, so it only goes out to seventh. So that tells you how many other guys were waiting on fuel too. Um, <clears throat> Tim checks with the 99 to see um, how he's handling, uh, you know, because, you know, Ryan's, you know, 99 has been involved in some, some stuff. So um, with the choose code 38 takes the bottom and Ryan takes the bottom. Um, Tim also tells him the nine car has some damage up ahead of him. So just kind of be weary of him. Uh, restart lap 170, and by the end of the lap, we're up to second and third. At lap 175, we get the caution for the 15. Um, Ryan's up to second, and um, Jonathan tells him uh, number four here um, and when the pits are open. So they're going fuel only, um, and then you know, only take like a, like a second worth of gas here. And they, you know, it's just, you know, take care of gas, aggressively until i tell you different is what jonathan tells him <laughs> and you know this this is like a, a point where on the tv they're talking about oh none of these guys can make it you know but you know this is the thought process this is maybe they can make it if we get a caution at the right time or you know whatnot but uh choose cone here 38 takes the bottom ryan is in p9 taking the top um jonathan once again max save uh the guys up front um we're going to be saving fuel too uh, restarting at lap 180, the 21, the 12, the two are all in the high lane together. Uh, at lap 186, the, uh, we're P11 in that high lane. It's all jammed up though. 
Uh, lap 193, the 38 and a 5 are battling for the lead. And Ryan is back in 11th, kind of saving fuel. Lap 197, we get three wide in front of Ryan. Then we did caution at lap 198 for the 9 car. Now, at this point, you know, they had just taken some gas. And, you know, some others hadn't. But uh, Jonathan says Wrangler is the call here. And I believe this is a fuel-only also. So there's a little discussion back and forth on this. And what it is is everybody's going to probably come down pit road, but now you don't need as much fuel as everybody else. So, you know, they're coming in 11th thinking that they're probably going to gain three or four spots just on that alone. Like, you know, good pit stop here. We're only going to need three seconds of fuel. Everybody else might need five or six, you know. And maybe we're going to gain a couple spots based on that. Um, they come out 17th. And what happened was the, uh, the yeah, was <laughs> nothing to do with the pit crew. The driver missed the pit stall. Um, you were down, you, were, you weren't quite across from them. Then they were down up pit road a little bit from you. Yeah. But uh, he went over the line basically is all it is. He, he says something on the radio. He apologized right away because. There was something he may have been looking at with one of the cars that he was going to have come in and out and around, or he may have come around the 99 a certain way. And when he did, he just missed it, went a little too far, had to back up. Um, they got it, the fuel in there they wanted to get. Um, he only lost a couple spots on it. Um, and, you know, you know, they tell him, focus forward here. He only lost a couple spots, but they come back out and a couple other teams had to either try to come back in or something because, 34 is leading for the choose cone and Ryan's P14. So even though he left the pit road, P17, two or three other cars, I think may have come back in P14 on the top, restarting at lap 206 here. And here we go. Passes the 99 pretty quickly up to 11th at lap 209, middle of three with the seven car pushing him, which is kind of cool. Now the seven's kind of made an appearance here. He stayed out of trouble most of the day at lap 213 P10 bottom of three though. At lap 213, we're pushing the uh, 451 with the 19 pushing us, and the two is leading at this point. And 51 is another one of those cars that he's he just, he's kind of in the way. He doesn't, even though you're pushing him, he doesn't seem to move very much. Um, at lap 217, he gets to the high lane to go around him, and then they go around him, and then um, we get the five, the six, and the seven crashing up high with the 42 also involved here. Um, we're up to P8 with the 11 leading. Um, at this point, there's only like five or six cars that have not been involved in a crash. The 2, the 4, the 8, the 12, the 14, the 38, and the 47 at this point. Yeah, I heard, I heard TV kind of jokingly, you know, in the rest of the race coverage, it's always like, here's who's involved in the crash. Here's involved in the crash. And then they just got to a point where the list was shorter than the people that, that hadn't been in one yet. So... That's kind of fun to see. Um, I think in that crash with the six, I think the six lost it in the turn to cause that thing, to cause that crash. And I don't know if it just was the setup of the RFK cars, but this, it was very reminiscent of the 17. Same deal going through the turn and just lost the handle on it and took out a few guys. So um, unfortunate yeah. for the five, you know, the five I feel like could have been battling for the win here at the end of this race. They were they were one of the you know best cars and one of the best handling cars out there. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, we're staying out. We choose here. Um, the 11 takes the, the bottom here, and uh, Ryan takes the top from P. Or I'm sorry, takes the bottom also from P8. Um, you know, <laughs> Tim says, be aggressive, be smart. They ain't done. And I thought that was a great thing to tell them. They ain't done up there messing around. So 
restart lap 225. And um, Ryan actually makes the three wide, but makes it all the way up to P4 with the two pushing him up high at lap 230. The 11's leading, the 38's pushing Ryan up to third. And then uh, he goes to the lead from a push from the two car. And at uh, 231, we're racing with the eight car back and forth for the lead. Uh, 233, the 23 pushes the 12 to the lead again. At lap 235, the 12 is ahead with a push from the two. So a lot of these cars behind him keep cycling through too because they're getting pushed out in front of somebody and then somebody's getting a run on them. At lap 238, we've got the two, the eight, the 14 uh, battling behind Ryan. And like I said, this is that point in time where Ryan's got a lead and he's starting to cover all the lanes and everybody else is kind of battling behind him. And then he's just making sure that anybody gets pushed out in front, he gets the push from them. Uh, then we get a caution for the 14, the 51, and the 11. And um, he tells I was not uh, sad to see the 14 go at this point because he was making some ridiculous moves. <laughs> really, really tricky stuff. And then finally, I don't even want to say this bites him. I think they, they could just got real tight because the 99 had made a move down low and put everybody three to four wide at that point. And I think the 14, just some there's some contact made. Uh, amongst the other cars and it, it took a few guys out but i was i was nervous because the 14 was fast but i felt he was being a little bit reckless too yeah now uh, ryan gets on there and tells tim to tell austin he did a really good job there and work uh, you know really working hard to work with him in other words um he knows that austin is one of those cars that in in the turns cannot hang with them a little too tight or loose and it is losing that a uh, little bit of separation where he's not coming out of the turn and getting to push until he gets, you know, well down the straightaway. So Ryan's trying to hold back on the straightaway just to get that push going into the next turn. Um, uh, we get the red flag at, for this, uh, for this, and this is, um, this is reminiscent of uh, Adam going to a race, um, whether it's rain or sleet or snow more tornadoes or hurricanes or just something tragic on the, on the, on the, on the track. There's some sort of red flag. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, I think it was Vinny or somebody in our, in our discord, you know, race tra- chat going into the weekend. I had mentioned that, you know, there's a 0% chance of rain. He's like, Oh, or whoever was there. Just like, Oh, that just means there's going to be an extended red flag. <laughs> if, if you're there, because man, that, and I'm just going to say that that happens because, the main tracks that we go to are Daytona and Atlanta in this, in this type of racing. And um, I don't know that it happened when we went to Talladega in the spring previously, um, but <laughs> we'll see what yeah. happens this year. So, uh, but it does, it, the red flags do also follow us around. So sorry yeah. for that. I'm just Added to you. the drama peak drama. That's all. There you go. Uh, Tim and Ryan are discussing Austin. Austin is telling them from his radio communication, I guess over there, that he's committed till the end to Ryan. And that was kind of cool to hear Austin's knowing that he's behind them. And if he's, if he's going to be behind Ryan at any point, he's going to try to help them. Um, we're choosing from the, uh, the bottom two to uh, the two follows and the 99 will be on the top with the eight pushing. And we get the restart lap two forty four. Uh, the 23 went high, the 19 went low and, uh, he, Oh, for this restart and Ryan, they asked Ryan, to tell so they can tell Austin what to do on this restart. And I think Ryan tells him to watch his hand. So this is one of those ones where Ryan kind of motions to Austin to close up the gap as they restart. Um, 
lap 246 we're covering the two lanes and the two kind of got shuffled unfortunately so we've lost the guy we want really pushing us then we get this caution at lap uh, 249 with the four the 77 the nine the three and it's just barely the 99 took the lead off of ryan at that point um when the caution was called so the 99 is going to have um the lane choice as the, as the uh, lead car and then uh, ryan will and be we have no out. help yeah. The two, as you mentioned, the two got shuffled. So I was not optimistic. I mentioned drama, man, this, this, that, I guess this is actually where peak drama happens because yeah. if you're kind of counting laps here, you're like, I think they're going to go green with about five laps to go. Yeah. And I wasn't, I was nervous that it would just, you know, been such a good race. And we already talked that the cautions that did happen were just kind of small crashes since that first one that happened, you know, two laps into the race. So I was like, man, I hope this doesn't, whatever happens, you know, between here and the end of the race, I hope it doesn't kind of taint, but you know, the exciting race that we saw so far. Yeah. Um, for this choose cone, we get the, uh, the 99 tag in the bottom with the eight and then the 23 behind him. And then Ryan at the top, he's got the 19 and then the two. And I thought this was advantageous. Uh, I may have texted you at this point because if anything, the two is going to at least push the 19 hard enough where the 19 has no choice, but to push what's in front of him. You know, and hopefully that you know they can work as a three three man group uh, up through there, um, and we get this restart at lap uh, two fifty five, and the intensity is incredible at this point. Watching the in car camera, um, you know what's in front of Ryan. If there's anything in front of him at all, you can see off the left hand side if somebody's made a move. You know, um, they bumped the ninety nine on the back stretch here. The twenty three is pushing the eight three wide here in that last lap. Um, you know talking with uh uh tim today i mean he he put on a clinic uh, as far as spotting goes and both these last two runs here um the one before this caution and the one after the caution to the end of the end of the race and what i mean by that is they ran in front of everybody and tried to cover all the lanes really really well um and ryan is using a bat the camera showing him what's behind him okay and you know he, he does have that view so he can see what's directly behind him. But anything behind that has to come from the spotter. And we get, um, Tim gets a really good uh, view of telling him who's getting pushed where. So where that run is from the guys behind him, Ryan really does cover these runs the whole rest of the way, except for what happens going into three and four. And what happened to three and four really was not a product of anything more than just such a huge, huge rush push by the 23 into the eight. The eight shoots that gap. If Ryan tried to cover that at that point, we're wrecking everybody. Yep. It's not, not really one of those things where he could have probably covered it. I Monday morning, we've talked about Monday morning quarterbacking. This is one of those things where everybody's like, Oh, he should have done this. He should have done that. Uh, the reality is he really couldn't have, he couldn't have done much out more than what he did. Um, it gets three wide. Uh, unfortunately, in three and four, the um, the uh, car, the twenty three car, loses it a little bit. He gets yep. loose, and then the two car also is above the twenty three. They both get loose, and we've got this three wide thing going on at the front. Ryan, the eight, and the ninety nine. If the twenty three could have got through three and four without getting loose probably ends up pushing Ryan to the win. He had had no other choice. He'd have been down the low lane where he was. Um, 
he would have had, you know, but he couldn't keep the low lane. And I think that's part of it too. He tried really hard to keep the low lane. Cause I think if he's going to pick any one of those three guys to push, yeah, I think you, I think he wanted to push his buddy, if anybody, and make himself that third or fourth place finisher too. You know, um, the drag race to the line is amazing. The coverage on TV is, you know, but Tim right away, like I said, Tim has, um, the NASCAR's automatic scoring set up there. And, uh, right away he says 99. Uh, so I kind of knew right away that that's it. Um, the TV kind of went back and forth for a minute or two. NASCAR did this thing where they wanted to check it, which is great. It added a little bit of more drama to it. And like you said, to track it probably added a lot of mystery because you're waiting to hear something yep. official, official, you know? Um, but like I said, uh, fabulous, fabulous finish. Not, not, uh, not our guy. Uh, not our guy. Uh, your wife is ecstatic <laughs> today, I'm sure. Um, and it couldn't happen to a good, a better guy too, because having seen him interact with his fans and the people who follow him, he is genuinely a really, really great guy. And so I can't feel nothing but happy for Daniel winning. Um, and, uh, you know, let's go on to next week and see what else we can do. Uh, really good, good second week here. Um, staying out of trouble. That one of the only like three or four cars that didn't bump into somebody and, and be involved in a wreck. So let's do that again next week. Yeah. One of the cleanest cars all day definitely was the 12 car um, dominated parts of the race. Like you said, you putting on a clinic in the closing laps. It was just that one. And I mean, Kyle Busch even mentioned in his post race that he made that move, not knowing if he was going to make it or not. It was such a tight spot to get through. Um, so unfortunately he did and yeah it was a drag race to the finish line i mentioned earlier that you know the crowd was just kind of stunned waiting to see who actually got it i was jubilant at first when prn called it for ryan and then you know they quickly you know seconds later kind of understand what timing and scoring is saying and there it, it just seemed like they like didn't even believe it they're like and i think it had to do with the way ryan came to the line like he swung i mean you mentioned when we talked about the finish amongst ourselves that they kind of fanned out but uh, Ryan fanned out maybe more than the other two could because they were tighter against the wall. And I thought that would give him the momentum he needed, the separation he would need to break the side draft. And he, I mean, he got ahead of the eight, <laughs> um, but yeah, 0. 0.0, what? Three thousandths of a second uh, between the 99 and the 12 and then uh, seven thousandths of a second between the 99 and the eight. So super, super, super close. And um I think they said that but the finish, you know, equates to about two inches. Yeah. And um, man, I, I, I'm confident that this 12 car is going to win multiple races this year. Um, so right now I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the 99 and my wife, who's a big fan of Suarez and for him himself, like you said, he's a good guy. I don't always agree with, you know, everything he does on the racetrack because he's an extremely aggressive and unapologetic driver, uh, much like his teammate, <laughs> I would say. Um, but it's good to see someone like that have success. A guy that's that, you know, worked hard, came up through the ranks, um, won an Xfinity series championship, and then went through that Toyota pipeline where, you know, it's more of a, you know, you have to succeed in your first year, bounced around to a few teams. And it seems like he's found a home now at track house. So uh, kudos to them, but kudos to this 12 group. Let's take a look at the NASCAR cup series point standings. You know, last week, Ryan was back in the 23rd position in the standings. And like, it could have been worse if he didn't win that stage in the Daytona 500. So he jumps 18 positions this week to the fifth position in the overall standings. Just 
eight points behind the leader who is Kyle Bush. So the top 10 right now is Kyle Bush in first and William Byron, Austin Sindrick, uh, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Martin and Martin Truex or Ross Chastain. Sorry. I skipped a couple people. Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex Jr. Here's an interesting stat for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, stage points in these two races so far in 2024. Ryan has scored the most stage points out of everybody else in the Cup Series with 27 points earned. That's two more than Kyle Larson, who has 25. So um, I'm sure that won't stick around for too long, uh, but not too shabby. And I think last week Ryan was like 37, 30-plus points out of the lead. Now he's just minus eight out of the lead. So really early on in the season, these standings are going to stay pretty tight. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully Ryan can slowly move his way or quickly even <laughs> within one race, uh, move his way back up to the front uh, when they head to Las Vegas. Yeah. When he wins a stage or two in Las Vegas, then he'll just keep piling those on. So, <laughs> so before we get to Las Vegas, there's one more thing we need to do and that is wrap up our coverage of the race at Atlanta. And we'll do that with a recap of our team blade NASCAR fantasy live league standings and results. Um, this is another one where I knew, um, so the Wi-Fi at Atlanta is really good if you're underneath the stands, but for me, my cell reception and Wi-Fi reception was almost non-existent, uh, in the stands themselves. So I knew I should have made some moves here in my lineup once again, but I didn't, I would say I was lazy or I was just too tense. I didn't want to move out of my seat. So didn't do that. That's going to be my excuse for why I finished 49th this week so an improvement over the 60 plus that it was last week so 49th overall this week for my team i had michael mcdowell got me 39 points chris busher got me 28 austin Sindrick got me 43 austin dillon got me 15 and alex bowman got me 10 I had ryan blaney in the garage who was the number one points getter uh, for this race with 52 points so if i would have just swapped out the, the obvious one would have been bowman and blaney since bowman had that trouble immediately in that lap two incident. If I would have done that, I probably would have finished pretty well up there in the standings featured matchups. I picked Byron over Hamlin. That was correct. I picked bell over Bowman. That was wrong. I picked Logano over Kozlowski. That was right. And I picked Elliot over Wallace and that was wrong. So uh, I was two out of four, two for four on the uh, featured matchups. What'd your team look like? Well, as the decision to make a swap at some point was made easy for me because my garage driver was the 20 car. So okay. he was involved. He was involved at the beginning. So I was like, well, we can't swap him out with anybody. Um, I had Ryan, I had Logano, I had Hamlin, Kyle Bush and Bubba Wallace. So actually three of the five guys did pretty well. Um, Logano and Hamlin, not so much. Um, and then in the matchups, I ended up splitting them. I had Denny who lost to Bo- Byron. I had Bell who lost to Bowman, but then I had Logano over Kazlowski and I had Bubba over Chase Elliott. So, um, you know, those are 10 points a piece, you know, so uh, we got to get those, those four right. Um, but uh, otherwise, I mean, just too many guys caught up in too much stuff. I mean, Hamlin, Logano at different points of the race would led the race. So yeah. they, they should have been much, much better. And, and they didn't get much stage points either, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, Kyle Bush had some stage points early on. Bubba had stage points in the first stage. Um, Ryan was the guy for, like you said, for all the points. I had 50, 52 points out of him. So, you know, I'm going to use him up like I usually do and then scramble the rest, <laughs> of the, the rest of the regular season. So let's take a look at the top 10 in points 
earned this past week at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So these are just the points earned in this race. Uh, tied for 10th between Blaniac 10 and Sam Speedsters with 196 points earned. Tied for 8th, Factory of Sadness 6 and Blaney Kicks Beep, 197. 7th is Big Burn, 199. Uh, tied for 5th with 0 Schlitz given in Rochi 12 with 202 points. And 4th is Cool Guy 2K, 208. And 3rd is US Calvin, 210. 2nd is Cheesehead Fan, 222. And leading the way and winning the weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League is P Shoot Bill, number one position, 225 points earned. Now let's see how that translates over to the overall standings. I am in the 61st position overall now with 244 points earned. Um, Steve, I'm going to find you here. 42nd, tied for 42nd, 267 points earned. So you have vaulted up above me pretty well, but I still think there's time to catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the top 10 right now. Overall standings, Montana 12 fan in 10th with 318 points in ninth. We have Doug QC 321 and eighth is all 12 fan or Al 12 fan 323 seventh math mom 4 326 and sixth cheese fan 327 fifth Pandamanda 328 and fourth is Alyssa C 329 and third is Blaney Act 10 331 and second Joe Lopez won 358. And again, a strong showing here after having a strong effort in 2023. We have Factory of Sadness 6 leading the way in the Team Blade NASCAR Fantasy Live League, 362 points. And that brings us now, Steve, as NASCAR heads west to Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. So let's take a look at the NASCAR and TV report for Las Vegas. Kicking things off on Friday, March 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, you have the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Victoria's Voice Foundation 200. You can watch that on FS1. Saturday, March 2nd, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on FS1. So they will have traditional practice like they had all last year in the two groups. Then they'll have the two groups qualifying, and then they'll have a final round there for the 10 fastest cars in 2 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. Followed at 5 p.m. Eastern time, you have the NASCAR Xfinity Series, the Layuna, uh, just says the Layuna. <laughs> Who knows how long this race is? Probably 300 or something on FS1. So 5 p.m. Eastern time, if you want to watch the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. And then Sunday, March 3rd, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the NASCAR Cup Series, Pennzoil 400 on Fox. And that's a big race for Team Penske, Pennzoil. Is a huge sponsor of Joe Legano, but also for Ryan, who runs a primary scheme with them for a couple of times throughout the year. I uh, picked up a victory in the Pennzoil scheme last year as well. So a uh, big race for Team Penske, and it's a race in the past that Joey Logano has run really well out. And I don't know if it's just out of coincidence or just the fact that Penske tends to bring some fast cars there. So speaking of history, let's take a look at Ryan Blaney's stats when it comes to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He's made 15 career starts going back to the 2015 season, five top five finishes, nine top 10 finishes. He's led 80 laps, average start 11.3, including a pole position in 2018, average finish of 12th. Um, Better track for this 12 team and Ryan Blaney. Let's take a look at the last several finishes, though. They are a little troubling (laughs) if we go back to 2022, 36th, 28th. 13 and six. So it is treading in the right direction, 
uh, but he did have a little bit of trouble there in the 2022 season. But I believe in those races specifically, he had been running very well. And then um, one of those was a playoff race where he was running really well. And I think had an incident there with the, the five car at one point. So um, I am positive though. One thing that is going to change this week, Steve, first time we're going to see the dark horse for Mustang on a traditional mile and a half track. Um, they've been fast at Daytona, lightning fast at Atlanta. What are your expectations for the dark horse? And then also for the the new Toyota Camry that they're bringing to the track this week too. I think, uh, I think that uh, it's going to be pretty good result. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I, I tried to ask Jonathan a question about that a week or two ago and uh, that they're kind of holding the cards co- close to the best, you know, it kind of made a statement like that. Ah, we'll see, you know, and, the thing is, is the car ran so well uh, this past weekend. Like I said, he was able to dice it up and do whatever he wanted on that track. High, low, make the move high, make the move low. Um, I really think that um, when it's all said and done, uh, he'll be a car to beat this weekend. Uh, don't worry about qualifying. Once again, he may not qualify eighth or 10th, you know, but then once the green flag drops, you know, look out because if he can maneuver the car the way he wants to maneuver the car, he's passing you. And um, I, I can't wait. I, this is going to be exciting to see a mile and a half. Uh, I think they've got the program. And like I said, they, down the stretch last year, the last two or three races they ran on mile and a half, they were pretty much the car to beat there too. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens this Sunday. Let's take a look back at, again, historic numbers here, the past race winner winners. And we'll go back to the – uh, first race of 2020, and this is how it goes. Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Alex Bowman, Joey Logano, William Byron, Kyle Larson. So some names that are coming up there multiple times are Larson and Logano uh, with Bowman, Hamlin, and a few others sprinkled in between there. Um, we just talked about Fantasy Live. Obviously, you're going to have Ryan Blaney starting, or at least in your lineup, possibly in the garage as well. Any of those drivers pique your interest between Logano um, you know, William Byron was on fire last year when it came to victories, uh, picked up the the win in the spring race there. He's probably somebody to look at that five car. I feel like is somebody that's due for a victory and could very well go out and dominate this race. Um, but would anybody else pique your interest for uh, fantasy lineups or just in general? Uh, practice is going to be huge on this one practice because uh, and qualifying, because like you said, we've got two new body types out there. And I'm really, really wondering uh, what the Toyotas are going to do, if this is going to help them or hurt them. Um, if it helps them, if they're really good, uh, I'm looking for a guy like Bubba Wallace, who has two started the season on fire, two top fives up there in the point standings. Um, he's the kind of guy, once he gets a certain types of mile and a half, can just click off some laps, and he's really consistent. So somebody like that, um, there's already guys in the hole that, you know, really need to perform well, uh, you know, the 45 being one of them, <laughs> you know, so it's Toyota. See how Toyota actually practices, qualifies. Um, Joe, if, if, if the Fords are what I think they are, Joey, you're right. Joey's definitely a guy to, to look at because he'll know what to do uh, with that track. Um, and uh, something, it, it just seems like something's going to be a little bit off right now with the Hendrix cars. I don't know why, but just they're not, White there right now so 
be interesting to see, you know, which one of those four guys like takes the lead this year and becomes like the main main guy, you know. So again, if you want to tune in this weekend, you can watch practice and qualifying on Saturday, March 2nd, 2 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. And then the Bain race, Sunday, March 3rd, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, the NASCAR Cup Series, Pennzoil 400 on Fox. Well, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. I want to thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can interact with us on Facebook and X at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at Team Blaney. We'd also like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Ryan's official charitable organization benefits brain health causes like UPMC Sports Medicine and the Alzheimer's Association. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, X, and Instagram. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels and Netherlands, and check out the TikTok. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.